This week we are uh, starting a new three-week sermon called Godliness, Go for the Gold. Uh, this is the first one in the series, and it, it's about sacrifice for success. It's Olympic time. Athletes from all over the world have been training for this very moment. Well, they're at Rio. We will be cheering them on. Early Christians sometimes imagined themselves in the field for the big games. They knew that God's people were being trained and tested every day. Jesus is our coach. The faithful who have gone before are cheering us on, and the prize we pursue is godliness. This week's theme verse is from 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 7b and 8. Would you say that aloud with me? Train yourselves to be godly, for physical training is some of the value. But godliness has value for all things, holding promise both for the present life and the life to come. Thank you for that. A few years ago, I was in the best shape of my life. I was lean, I was running with a purpose, and I came as close as I have ever come to placing in a race. It was a 5K race. It was a fundraiser for stomach cancer in honor of our former pastor here, Pastor Doug Ferguson. Now, that race day, I'd run with a lot of the, those people that were running that race, and I knew before the start who was going to win this race. And I knew who was going to come in second. It was a young man, a young woman, and I've seen them race races before, and they run faster than I can ever dream of running. And the race played out. The young man and young woman pushed each other along and pushed each other along, and the last 200 yards or so, the man has just a little bit more kick than the young woman, and, and he crosses the finish line first. I always root for the woman to beat him. But it didn't happen that day. Now, the third place runner and the fourth place runner, which I happened to be, were the next two in line. And as the race started off, I was keeping up with this third place guy. I was thinking, I've got a chance at this. And I was running. I kept him within about 20 yards of me, and, and I had a plan. At the turn, I was going to kick hard, pass him, and claim my eternal glory and honor in that third place medal. Unfortunately for me, he had the same idea. <laughs> and try as I might, I couldn't quite catch him. I, I gained on him little by little, and I did have one glimmering little bit of hope. The last 200 yards of this race was uphill. I'm a pretty strong runner when it comes to uphill running, and I made ground on him but couldn't quite catch him. I ended up in fourth place. No medal for me. Now, looking back on that, that was the fastest I've ever ran a 5K. By, by long stretches, that's the fastest I've ever ran a 5K. Now, would that time get me a shot at the Olympics? No, no not even close. If I stood up and, and ran my fastest 5K ever in an Olympic trial, they, the Olympic runners would have been done and the medals would have been over and then I would have crossed the finish line. <laughs> The glory, though, of that race 
didn't go to the third place runner or the second place runner or, or even the first place runner. The glory of that race was the sacrifice of this group of runners coming together to raise $9,000 to fight stomach cancer. That was the true sacrifice and glory in that day. Now, I was never the best at throwing a ball. I couldn't throw it the fastest or the farthest and surely not the most accurate. I was never the best batter or shooter or runner. Any glory that would ever come to me had nothing to do with my athletic prowess. And you may be sitting there thinking, but I am the best at something. And that's great. The sacrifice that you have to make to become the best is, is a great thing. But most likely, someone younger or stronger or faster will come and take you over someday. And while that sounds pretty gloom, there's hope. Christians can find eternal glory in heaven, that ultimate reward. That glory comes with sacrifice, though. Like anything worth doing, it'll be hard, but worth it ultimately in the end. We must sacrifice for our Christian success. So what is sacrifice in God's eyes? Sacrifice is a measurement of success is simply the ratio of talents used to talents received. In Matthew chapter 25, verse 14 and 15, it says, Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. As the story goes, the, the man comes back. And he calls his servants. And he calls the man that he gave the five bags of gold. And the man brings him his five bags of gold plus another five bags of gold. And the master is pleased. And he said, well done, well done. And he calls the man he gave two bags of gold and he brings his two bags of gold plus another two bags of gold. And again, the master is pleased. Finally, the man that he gave just one bag of gold comes. And, and that man took that bag of gold and buried it in a field. And he went and he dug it up. And he handed it back to the master. And the master was furious. He said, here, I've given you my wealth to manage. And you have done nothing not even taking it to the bank to make interest on it. The master was upset, and rightly so, because the servant didn't use the gifts that were given to him. We are, used, we are here to use our talents and gifts for God's glory. And you may think that you have no gifts, and I'm here to tell you I don't think God makes junk. I think we all have gifts that we can use for the glory of God. And we need to make sacrifices to use these gifts. I'm going to talk about four places where we can sacrifice. The first is sacrificing yourself. Then to sacrifice for those people around you. Sacrifice for the society and finally, 
some of us may be called to sacrifice for the entire world. But we'll start with ourselves. Eli Oisel, who was a Romanian-born American Jewish writer, professor, political activist, Nobel laureate, and Holocaust survivor, wrote, basing myself on the Tolmeric sayings, and the Tolmeric sayings are a collection of Jewish laws and traditions from around 400 AD. So he said, basing myself on the Tolmeric sayings, that if all repented, the Messiah would come. I decided to do something about it. I was convinced I would be successful, but where would I start? The world is so vast. I shall start with the country I know best, my own. But my country is so very large. I'd better start with my town. But my town, too, is, is large. I'd best start with my street. Know my home. Know my family. Never mind. I shall start with myself. And that's where I'd like to start today. We need to make sure that we are right with God. That's the very first step. That's the very first sacrifice that we need to make as Christians. And the first thing we need to do is come and humble ourselves. We need to find a reverence for God. We need to open ourselves up to realize that we need God. And for some of us, we need to realize that we are indeed not God. Once we've humbled ourselves, found reverence in God, we can take that next step and, and go into prayer with God. Now prayer, prayer is not an easy thing for me. It is not a natural response for me. It, it never has been. Prayer has always been a struggle in my life. And for some people, I see this gift of prayer and it's so natural. That's such a wonderful gift for people to have. I do know this, that if I take the time to be in prayer, I'm a better husband, I'm a better father, I'm a better worker. I'm a better person if I take that time to go to God in prayer. And I know this. It helps me study. Study is something that is natural for me. I like digging into things. I love digging into Scripture, going and finding the Greek translation, finding what other scholars are writing about it, reading what other pastors are preaching about that particular verse. That's kind of fun for me. But I do know that if I surround my study in prayer, it is so much more fruitful and so much more blessed. We need to take time to study, to find that routine that we can go and, and learn and study God's Word. We need to do that with a purpose. And the purpose for studying is not to have this scriptural weapon that we can go out and beat people with. The purpose of our study is to find God's word and put it on our hearts. 
as we've taken those steps to, to humble ourselves, to go to God in prayer, to start listening to God and reading God's word, then we can take that next step, that step to sacrifice for those around you. I do have two cautionary tales. The first, the first is to think that I need to keep studying and I need to keep praying and I need to keep humbling myself because God hasn't made me right yet. I'm just, I'm not that perfect being, that perfect vessel that can go out and go and, and stretch my Christian wings. And I'm here to tell you that you will never be perfect. And if you let him, God will continue to grow and strengthen you. So we need to be, to be careful that, that we're, we're not locking ourselves in, saying, I'm not, I'm not ready yet. I, I'm just, I, I need a little bit more time, a little bit more study, a little bit more prayer before I'm ready to go outside of myself. The other thing that we need to be cautious about, though, is gaining too much knowledge. Because as you're learning and as you're reading and as you're prayer, praying, how easy is it to start quoting scripture at people? Now, sometimes that scripture can be very beneficial to them. But other times, that scripture is nothing more than a way to make ourselves feel self-important. So we need to be careful. We need to be cautious in how we interact with those other people. And we should start with those people who come in contact every day. Our, our immediate family, our friends, our co-workers. And, and let us not forget about those people we interact with uh, who, who serve us. The, the barista who makes your coffee every day or, or the woman in the gas station who's always there with a smile. We need to show these people words of encouragement. Your attitude towards people needs to be an affirming attitude. How easy is it to go and find the negative? Is that our first initial response is to look and and you didn't do that right. You could have done that better. And we all need correction. But at the same time, do we forget to say thank you? Do we forget to say, you did a great job. Even on those simple things, when was the last time, for those of you who have kids, who you saw them do something, anything, put a dish in the dishwasher, or pick up their shoes, did you say, hey, thanks for doing that. Great job. Those simple little things to affirm people. And those people that we interact with every day, that we have those one-on-one -on -one conversations, how easy is it to remember who they used to be and not remember who God is making them now? How easy is it to remember their failures and think that person can never grow? That person can never become what God wants them to be. We need to open our eyes and, and to look 
And as we see God moving them and touching them and pulling them in the right direction, we have to, we have to stand up and cheer and say, great job, way to go. We need to affirm those people around us. And we need to seek ways to get to know people better. How many people that we work with does our conversation never get past? Hey, how are you? I'm fine. Great. And that's it. Taking those simple little steps, steps like, like, how's your family doing? How are you doing? I see you've, you've had a cold here lately. Are you feeling better? Taking those little steps to get to know people better. To show them that you care about them. It gives us opportunities to share our faith with them. To share what God is doing in our lives. To maybe spark, just a, a little bit of spark within them. So we've gotten ourselves right. We're starting to interact now with the people around us that we deal with every day. And now we can take that, that next step. That step of, of those organizations that we deal with. That bigger picture. Our extended family. The clubs or organizations that we're involved with our place of work, or even our government. Today, it is easier to surround yourself with like-minded people than any other time in history. You can go on an internet forum about whatever it is you believe and find a whole group of people affirming it. Now, some of that is not all bad. I'm, I follow a whole bunch of people on Twitter that are devotees to Microsoft. And I'm kind of a Microsoft guy. And it's great to get that affirmation and to see what's going on in the, the Microsoft community. I've, I am on an archery forum and a guitar forum, and I love hearing about what's going on in those communities. I even like going to Sermon Central and seeing what the pastors are writing about. And, and I'm a, a member of an Agile user group here in Omaha. And it's great to be around people who share those same ideas and values, and you can learn so much from those people. But if we never, ever step outside of that, we'll grow stale. As we're in those organizations, we get to be the face of Christ. And sometimes that's not an easy thing to do. Sometimes we have to stand up and say, you know what? I don't believe that. And that may make you an unpopular person. Sometimes we have to stand up for the weak or the oppressed Sometimes we have to show grace where it's so much easier to criticize. This is not an easy thing to do. This can make you a not very popular person sometimes. And yet, it's our duty as Christians to go out and show God's love 
and God's grace to other people. It takes sacrifice to be a Christian in an organization. It takes sacrifice to show God's love and God's grace and God's mercy and God's justice. So we're taking care of ourselves and we're taking care of the people around us and, and now we're, we're starting to mold and shape our society. And for some of us, maybe a lot of us, those are big steps and God is working with us. But for others, others may get called out into the world. We've prepared our hearts through prayer. We've prepared our mind through study. And now it's time for us to go. And maybe that's a local ministry, like a jail ministry. To go into a jail and, and preach the good news to prisoners. Maybe that's to be a mentor to a, a kid who's needing a little guidance and help. Or maybe it's bigger than that. Maybe you're getting called to be on a mission trip. Maybe to volunteer to go on a mission trip with a bunch of high schoolers or middle schoolers. Maybe getting called on a mission trip outside the country. And there may be someone in here right now who's had this tug, this pulling that your whole life should be devoted to ministry that, that you're getting called into full-time ministry. I encourage you to, to heed that call, to go and talk to a trusted advisor, see what that really means, to see if, if that is where God is truly calling you to be. Even on my very best day, I was the fourth-place runner in a small 5K race. Does that mean I have no talents? Does that mean I have no work? Does that mean that because I am not the best, God cannot use me? No. God will use our talents. But more than that, God will grow us into successful Christians if we sacrifice for him. We must humble ourselves, set time for prayer and study. We need to take what we learn into the world. And that may very well mean that we have to sacrifice other parts of our life. But that sacrifice is worth it to glorify God. That is how we become successful Christians. You pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, the task that you've set, up, set before us is not an easy one. Sacrificing our time and our talent to glorify you. That looks a little different to us than, than what the rest of the world sees. So Heavenly Father, I just pray that, that you put it on our hearts to make those sacrifices, to go out 
into the world and show the world your love and grace and mercy. I ask this in your son Jesus' name. Amen.